Good morning, Bethel Church. Uh, Pastor Steve said that Mike Whittig was coming up first. Um, I'm not that good looking. I'm Jacob Netherton, and uh, just know that the, it's going to get better, better looking up here after me. So, um, as I said, my name is Jacob Netherton. I'm the Director of Connections here at Bethel Church and uh, have three boys, uh, Isaac, who's six, going on 40, uh, Deacon, who is our middle child, and we think he has a real future in uh, cage fighting or the MMA. If there's a job as a professional screamer, I think he'll be our guy. So, uh, and then our baby, Israel, uh, he's three months old. He was born in September, and uh, he does all the good things that babies do, you know, eat and sleep and smiles a lot and coos and keeps pampers in business. And so they are a blessing. And then my saint of a wife, Jema, who keeps it all together. She holds us all together, and um, so uh, pray for her, okay? She's got three boys, and uh, those that have three or more boys, uh, you know what we're going through, right? So um, anyway, glad to be sharing God's Word with you today, and, um, and uh, just wanted to say I hope you had a Merry Christmas, a good Christmas. We had a great Christmas in the Netherton household, and here was the scenario in our house that the morning of like really early the morning of Christmas, Isaac comes running in, Santa came, Santa came. And we run downstairs and uh, he starts ripping into presents as fast as he can. And he's ripping into his brother's presents and every present he can get a, his hands on. And as you can see here, this is real life. This is not trick photography. That is a blur. <laughs> that really happened. And uh, so Isaac's ripping through the presents, trying to get through them all. When it's all said and done, you know, he'd been building up this excitement about Christmas for so long, uh, for a couple of weeks, talking about Santa. And, you know, we went to the mall and, and uh, gave our letter to Santa at, at Macy's and all that stuff. And he was really excited about it. Had a long list of stuff, you know, wanted a Boba Fett costume, wanted a, a Nerf gun, wanted a motorcycle, wanted a, we saw a Jeep rolling by one day on the way to school. Can I get that for Christmas? Sure thing, son. T talk to your mom. And, uh, you know, it was a big deal. But when it was all said and done, he kind of got sad. And Jama grabbed him and said, what's wrong, son? He said, I just, I don't know. I just feel sad. And uh, that whole expectation kind of ended in disappointment because there's no gift that can really satisfy that longing of our heart. There's only one gift that we know at Christmas time that satisfies the longing of the heart, and that's Jesus Christ, right? And when we look at the Christmas story, we think a lot of times it's all about me. We see this baby in a, in a, in a manger, and that Jesus Christ, God himself, came down to redeem the earth, and it's all about what he's doing for me. And it's true. God did send his son. He did send his son to redeem the earth. But there's a bigger picture to that. And it's this, that God sent his son to the earth to bring glory to his name and spread the fame of his son among the nations. And what I want to say to you today is that the father has done everything, does everything to bring fame and glory to the son, and so should we. So our text today is um, Colossians 1, 17 through 18. And you grab your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles out at our information center. 
Uh, so if you don't own a Bible, we want that to be a gift to you. Please go and grab one at our, our information center. If you're in a sugar plum induced coma and you just forgot your Bible, uh, bar the, look at the person next to you or once again, go out in the info, info center and uh, grab one of those Bibles to uh, borrow during the service, okay? So here in Colossians 1.17, we see how God brings fame and glory to his son, which says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What we see here is that the father brings fame and glory to his son by sharing in the work of creating and sustaining creation. Verse 17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. John 8, 58, Jesus said, before Abraham was I am. Christ declaring his eternality, that he is eternal, that he is from eternity past. There is no beginning, there is no end to him, and he was there uh, at the creation. John 1 tells us that, that in the beginning was the word, who we know to be Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, say all things. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. He is the creator. Jesus Christ is the creator and sustainer of all things, as our text says. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews tells us that by him the worlds were framed Genesis pulls back the curtain and lets us get a sneak peek of God's creative activity. We see that right there, it was the word of God making the earth and all that is around us. That by his very word, let it be, it was. And it was good. And it still sustains and has held together by that very word, let it be. See, Jesus is not one that just created us, created creation, made creation, and lets it self-propel like a child does a top. You know, a child will spin a top and let it roll until it comes to a crashing halt. No, Jesus set everything into motion. By his word, God, the Father, set into motion the worlds, the planets, the stars in the sky, everything around us, and he holds it together, that in him it's held together. Bethel Church, we can bring glory to God. God created all things, had his son create all things, and now holds all things together so he might receive all glory. And as I said before, we can bring glory to God by acknowledging that he is the creator, that we didn't make ourselves, that he made us, that he's the potter, we're the clay, and that he made you just the way you are. Now, you might be follically challenged or you don't like your nose or it might be some kind of impediment that you just say it may be perceived or it may be real this impediment that you have but whatever it is you say I don't really like the way God made me well you're not sovereign God you're not the creator and I want to encourage you trust the creator look to him Know that he's the one that made you, that God sovereignly made you and placed you on, the, on this earth to bring glory to his son. What areas of your life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, is an impediment to you? Know that Jesus Christ is your maker, and he made you by his sovereign design. 
You know, and as I said before, maybe something that you don't like, whatever it is, let it lead you back to dependency on Christ. I'm reminded of a story that my mom shared with me that about 30 years ago, she was in her late 20s and she was watching a soap opera and uh, she saw this actress, this actress's hands and uh, she said in her mind, those hands are beautiful. Those are perfect hands. I wish I had hands like that. And in that moment, she said, I was convicted in my heart that my hands were made by God. And they were made that way for a purpose. Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in our mother's womb by who? God himself, right? See, my mom's hands are strong hands. They're sturdy. They're forged through the fires of growing up on a farm and working outside. You know, a few years later, after that moment, that she graduated with a bachelor's degree in nursing. And for the last 25 years, God has used those hands to lift people up, care for the hurting, the sick, and the broken. And I want to encourage you, God made you on design. He made you for a purpose, and that purpose is to bring him glory. Verse 18 tells us that the father brings glory and fame to his son by making the son the head of the church, the body. Now, the scripture is not just talking about us, Bethel. Although Jesus Christ should be and is the head of Bethel Church. Can you say amen to that? What he's talking about is the big C church, the church universal, the worldwide church from past, present, and future. This is the church he's talking about, that Jesus Christ, the same son who created the heavens and the earth, put the planets into motions, the one who spoke things into existence, he's the same one in Matthew 16, 18 that says, I will build my church. Whose church is it to build? Christ's church. It's not my church. It's not your church. God placed Jesus as the builder, the head of the church, so that the sufficiency would be of him. He did it so we would rely upon him. We would look to him, stay in close connection with him, and ultimately bring all glory to him. One day, you and I are going to stand before Jesus, and we're going to be given a crown, and that crown, we're going to throw back at him because we know it was all about him. The work we do within Bethel Church, or if you're not part of Bethel Church, maybe you are visiting in from out of town, you're another part of church, what we do for the kingdom of God are good works that Christ preordained for us to walk in. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Church, let's continually remind ourselves that the church is all about him. He is the one who builds, who plants, who waters, who grows ministries and ministers. Christ has been placed as the all-sufficient one, so that when anything good comes, it might be to the praise of his glory. And when anything bad comes, it might turn us back to him, to rely upon him. Our response here is that we daily look to live a life that is surrendered to Jesus Christ and his leadership in all that we do. We can do this by being a people of prayer, communicating with Christ, sharing our heart, asking for his heart. Also by being a people who look to the sufficiency of his word 
in all matters of life. Daily dependence on him declares that we are not in control and that he is. And that we're not going to try to take the lead and we'll fully trust his sovereign grace in our lives and his sovereign leadership. The next thing that we see in this text in verse 18, the second part of verse 18 is that the father brings fame and glory to his son by making him superior in all things. Here's what it says. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In the Bible, firstborn refers to origin or rank. The son's origin was from God the father, from eternity past, and that the rank that the father placed on him was to be the first. Firstborn, another word, is first fruits. It was God's best offering to us, to the world. He said that, I know that you're trapped in your sin. I know that you're trapped in death, but I'm going to send my firstborn to rise, be the first to rise from the dead. And what it's saying here is that he's the firstborn from the dead, that death, hell, and the grave could not hold Jesus Christ. And that's good news for us today, that he reigns with the, with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. See, spiritual death is the greatest death of all. You are surely going to die one day. It's truth, right? We're told there's a couple things that you do in life. Death and taxes, right? But don't let spiritual death hold you down. We're all dead at one time, lost in our trespasses, inside of our fallen humanity crying out, why am I here? But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that he did this while we were sinners, and he did it to the praise of his glory. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This being the firstborn from the dead leads us to the main point of the verse in the passage, and that is that he would be preeminent in everything. What does it mean to be preeminent? It means to be highly distinguished or outstanding, standing out among all others because of superiority in field or activity. Can we all agree that Jesus is outstanding and superior, that he stands out among all others? Can we all agree on that, church? After all, this text shows us that he created all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the source, the supply, the head of the church, and he is the one who paid the way for us to have eternal life. Philippians tells us that because of this, he now has the name that is above all other names. He has a name that is superior, outranking all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. The father doesn't want his son to be second thought to us. He wants all attention, all adoration, all praise, all worship, all of your life living completely for him and for the glory of the son. We see this in these two verses, that the father did everything to bring glory and fame to his son, and we should too. And this means living a life that is pleasing and praiseworthy, living a life that is worshipful to God so he might be glorified in our life and speech. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Church, today, when you go home and you watch the Bears play, whether they win or lose, you can worship the Lord. Right, Cutler? 
can worship the Lord whether they win or lose, right? And all the Green Bay Packers fans are saying, we're definitely going to worship the Lord if they lose. And all the Packers said, fans said, Amen. ushers, have them removed, okay? <laughs> no matter what you're doing, you can worship the Lord and worship the Lord with all your heart. And I encourage you to make Jesus Christ central to everything you do. Living with Christ as central focus brings him glory and fills your life with a God-sized direction and purpose. We should avoid the tendency to compartmentalize Jesus to a Sunday morning worship, a weekly small group, or serving on a ministry team. He's bigger than that, church. He wants more than that. He deserves more than that. That in our everyday eating and drinking, going to bed, getting up, daily to-dos, make much of him by making him central in all we are. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you say, why am I here? Hopefully you're not saying that today right now. <laughs> but you've been at a party, a family gathering, maybe a work meeting, and they're talking about something that's irrelevant to you. And you just question, why do I have to be here? Why am I here? I feel like a third wheel. I just don't fit in. Spiritually speaking, have you ever asked, why am I here? Maybe you don't feel a sense of purpose in your life. Or your life just lacks meaning today. As we enter into a new year, many of you are putting together New, year, new Year's resolutions. I'm sure some of you are putting together the new, new Year's resolution to not have any New Year's resolutions, right? But whatever your bent is on that, I want to encourage you to enter this new year asking yourself, and more importantly, asking the Father, why am I here? God's Word today has given us direction on why we exist and why he's placed us on this earth. Our ultimate purpose in life and in 2013 is to bring fame and glory to Christ in every area of our lives. So what are we going to do with this fact today that Jesus Christ has placed us preeminent in everything? Are we living a life that makes him first place? What areas of your life do you place Christ as secondary? Think about that, church. Are you fully living for his fame and for his glory and preeminence in all things? Let me also ask, if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, or I like to say the leader and forgiver of your life, that's the first step to making him first place in your life to making him total place in your life. If you're hoping to hang around here and just get a good message and feel better about yourself without surrendering your life to Christ, you're missing the boat. Make it right today with Christ. If you've never surrendered, surrender your life to Christ. Make him the center of focus. If you've been living with him as secondary in your life, not glorifying him, church, I want to encourage you, surrender your life, surrender your heart to him, and make a commitment today. I'm going to live for the glory of his name. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we bend our knee before you because you are the one who placed your son as the beginning, the creator, the giver of life and savior. We ask you, Lord, to take our hearts that are so geared towards our own desires and wants 
and turn it upward. Make our hearts vertical. Make our lives vertical. Make our lives lives that glorify you in everything that we do. Let us live in you and find joy in you by bringing you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.